God's kingdom isn't about eating and drinking. It is about pleasing God, about living in peace, and about true happiness. All these come from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. God's kingdom that I hope you're a part of. God's kingdom isn't about eating and drinking. It is about pleasing God. Child of God, viewers, can I tell you, let that confusion and debate stop. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. It is simply about pleasing God, about living in peace, and about true happiness, and all this you cannot do on your own because all these come from the Holy Spirit. I want to read the same scripture, the APA from the Amplified Classic. It says, after all, the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting the food and drink one likes. The kingdom of God is not about you getting what you want. It is about pleasing God. Go back to the contemporary English version of the Bible. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking your delectable choices. That's not what it's all about. That is some of the benefits of the kingdom, but that's not what the kingdom is about. The kingdom of God is about what? It is about pleasing God. This morning, I bring you the word of God. I entitle how the kingdom of God works. How the kingdom of God works. A lot of people think they're part of the kingdom, but they do not know how it works. A lot of the miracles you heard this morning came by the workings of the kingdom. How the kingdom of God works. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to learn about how the kingdom works. So we don't end up working against the kingdom. We don't find ourselves working against the Lord. Father, Illuminate our understanding. Equip us with knowledge, understanding, and wisdom that we may be able to further the kingdom of God in our own generation and benefit from all the blessings that ought to be ours as we work in the kingdom, have come to an understanding of how the kingdom of God works. Bless everyone today who opens their hearts and bless especially those who begin to work in the kingdom according to the will of God and that our testimonies may bound to the glory of your name in Jesus name we pray amen. say one amen for yourself say one amen for me amen and amen you may be seated this morning how the kingdom of God works never be satisfied to have something until you know how it works a lot of people want to get married and the most annoying thing is they don't even try to find out how marriage works. A lot of people want to be a CEO. They never have an understanding of how it works to be a CEO. Being the CEO is different from being the manager. We have received the kingdom and the question is, do you know how it works? As I sought the Lord, the Lord took me to this translation of the Bible. The one you're familiar with says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I read that for many years and I really didn't have a full, robust understanding of how the kingdom of God works. But our text today says God's kingdom isn't about eating and drinking. 
It's not even about getting the kind of food and drink one likes, the Amplified Classic says. What is it about? It is about pleasing God. Shoki. There's no confusion. All the running around. We didn't get it right. It is about pleasing God. The saddest thing is some preachers made it look like the kingdom of God is about God pleasing us. Can I get a witness? Have you not heard version like that? They say be, become a believer and God is going to do everything you like. No. The kingdom of a God is about you pleasing God. And because you're pleasing God, I will show you all the things that God will now do. Don't put the cart before the horse. Otherwise, you're not going anywhere. May our knowledge of God and serving God not be going around around the mountain of not mountain of uh, stagnation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is about pleasing God. I could stop there. And hear the heart and ear. Let him hear the truth. The Bible says, woe be an angel who comes to preach another gospel. The kingdom of God is about pleasing God. It's about living a life of sacrifice. We are the servants. He is the master. How could you believe the kingdom is about you? You are not even the master. Who told you that lie? And no wonder that lie has brought frustration instead of blessing. So the next question a wise person would ask then is, how does one get to please God? If the kingdom of God works by one pleasing God, and you, that's not going to change, nobody can change that. The question you should ask in pastor, tell me, how do I get to please God? By the time I tell you the things that will happen for you when you please God, you will be running to know more about how to please God. You will be coming for the seminars because that is the only route to God satisfying your desires. Bible says, when it says, um, the scripture that says it grants you the desires of your heart, um, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. It didn't say pray for the desires of your heart and God will do it. It said, no, no. Do something and this it will happen. A lot of things we pray about is not so much about prayer. It's about pleasing God. I knew this was going to happen. Everybody say, whoa. I haven't heard this one before. You haven't heard the, all the truth. You shall know all the truth and the truth will now set you free to enjoy God. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will grant you the desires of your heart. It's the same way as saying please the Lord. The word delight and please actually mean the same thing. Please the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. Is someone already getting happy? There is, there is an equation. When you get it right, your walk with God will become more accelerating and more enjoyable. And this will be our experience in Jesus' name. Now, how do we get to please God. How many of you want an answer to that question? If your hand is not up, I'm fine. I hope you know what you're doing. Now, Romans 14, the same scripture, verses 17 to 18, now from the message translation, um, is going to give us the answer, how do we get to please God? And that's why I'm happy for those
those are even streaming live from wherever you are because God is going to give you the key of David and you will begin to experience the kind of blessing that David enjoyed. Hallelujah. I read, it says, God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach for goodness sake. That sounds like somebody that completely exasperated about the foolishness that's been going around people of the kingdom of God. It says that God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach for goodness sake. Otitonal. This foolishness has gone on for too long. Uh, Paul continues, says, it's what God does with your life. The kingdom is about what you allow God to do with your life as he sets it right. Someone say amen. amen. You know, most and generally, our lives are not right. No, 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 no matter how good you are. It says the kingdom of God is what God wants to do with your life as he sets it right. Puts it together. Make God put our lives together in the name of Jesus. And then completes it with joy. Which means the good work the Lord wants to start. Allow him to continue it. Allow him to set it right. Allow him to put it together. And allow it to complete it with what? With joy. Can I tell you something? Joy and happiness are not the same thing. No, no, no. Happiness has to do with a thing you got or an event you attended. But joy comes from the inner man. Can I tell you that? Listen, happiness is a small component part of joy. But joy is not a component part of happiness. If you have joy, you will have happiness. But you can have happiness and not have joy. Because when the party is over, you're going to go back to your depression. It says, let him complete your life with joy. Somebody say, I want joy in my life. Ooh. God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach. For goodness sake, can we stop this infantile rubbish? It's what God does with your life. The Lord, you're holding on so much your life. God can't change your life. God can't polish up your life. God can rearrange your life. And so year after year, it looks like God is not good. You're still the same, living in the same place, doing the same thing because you forget or you do not know that God's kingdom is about what God can do with your life if you let him. If you let him, the Bible says he will set it right. He will put it together and he will complete it with joy. Which means destiny will not elude you. Can you say amen? Verse 18 now says, your task, when it comes to this working of the kingdom, how the kingdom works, your task in all of this is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Pastor Ami talked about a living sacrifice. It is to be, it's to single-mindedly, the word single-mindedly is like this. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't look above. Just focus on this task of serving God. A lot of people are asking God. That's fine. A lot of people are romancing God. That's okay. But how many people are serving God? You see, when, when he preached that sermon, um, uh, a living sacrifice, you don't understand a gift and a sacrifice are not 
Listen, listen, if you gift your life to God, you may never be a living sacrifice. A sacrifice is when you give what you can hardly afford to give. And that's what God really wants from you. At that point, he takes over your life. Come and I ask a question. How many people want God to take over your life? Do you know he never fails? Do you know he blesses people? Do you know he changes destiny? Wave your hands if you want God to take over your life. Can you imagine if it takes over the life of our children? Our children. The Bible says, the children of the man of God, Joshua, taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Whatever you hand over to God, it cannot fail. Listen, if it dies, he will raise it up. Even if it breaks, he will heal it. Your task is to single-mindedly serve God. I am speaking to the church and I hope you broadcast this. The kingdom of God is not about getting the kind of food, car, or marriage, or husband you want. No. Food and drink represents all the good things in life. No. It is about what? Pleasing God. How can you put pleasing God behind marriage? How can you put pleasing God behind enjoyment? No, 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 no. You got it wrong. It is not going to work. I'm talking about how the kingdom of God works. If, if it doesn't work, it means it will not work for you. May the kingdom of God work for us. You have heard some testimonies that that is the kingdom of God working. It will work for all of us in Jesus' name. Help me look at your neighbor and say your task is to single-mindedly I can't hear your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. That's how the kingdom works. It says do that. This is the result and it's a sweet result. It says do that and you will kill two birds with one stone. What's the first bird? Pleasing the God above you and proving your worth to the people around you. What means is if anybody argues that you are never going to make it, it means that very soon you are going soon to make it that you don't even need to tell them. Proving your what means if somebody thinks you are a failure, something is going to happen because the kingdom will start to work for you that you will not need to persuade them because the glory of your making it, they'll be chopping out of it and they have no choice but to be your friend. Can I hear you say amen? I'm going to read the scripture all over again quickly. God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach for God's sake. Can you stop people saying this nonsense all over the place? It's what God does with your life. Why do we say give your life to Christ, please? Why do we say come and give your life to Christ? It's not just a donation so that he has the opportunity to do great things with your life. How why do you give your life to Christ and you take it back? A lot of people say they give their life to Christ, but nothing about their life will they allow the Lord to organize. I talked about counsel. The people that testify, a lot of them, I say, but pastor told me this thing. It's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and what? Completes it with joy. May that be our experience at the end of this year in Jesus' name. But your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Serve as in present continuous. There are people that used to serve when COVID came.
paid, they don't serve anymore. The people that used to give, they don't give anymore. God never asks you to do something in the present and is not relevant in the future. Your relationship is an ongoing eternal relationship. He said, when you do that, you'll kill two birds with one stone, pleasing the God above you and proving. Oh, that is nice. Proving your worth to the people around you. I want to speak to some ladies here that your character is good. You will be a great wife, a fantastic mother, but listen, as it looks now, you, you, people around you can't see your worth. The woman of, the, as a virtuous woman, Proverbs 31. You see, because you don't have what it takes yet. And so, listen, the Bible says, when you allow the Lord to work on your life, you will kill two birds you want to You first please God, and then you will prove your worth to the people around you. What does that mean? The kind of prince they have never met is going to come and look for you. If you're a business person, when you serve God and let God work upon your life, he will open your steps aright that what you need to prove how brilliant a businessman you are, God is going to put it on the table for you. If you're that person, say amen. amen. So, Romans 4 verse 7, 14 verse 17, again, the contemporary English version of the Bible, I repeat it again, God's kingdom isn't about eating and drinking. No, no, it doesn't work like that. It is about pleasing God. God, it's about living in peace and about true happiness as a result. And all this comes from the Holy Spirit. Can I talk to you about the Holy Spirit? Today, a lot of people are not submitted to the Holy Spirit anymore. They don't even ask for the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so when you want to do something, you don't let the Holy Spirit guide you. Jesus said, I have to go. And the reason why I have to go is that is when the comforter will come. He will teach you. He will lead you. He will guide you. And he will reveal all truths to you. So what will fool other people, the Holy Spirit ought to be revealing to you. The reason why you are groping in the dark, making all kinds of mistakes, is you are not remembering that all this, the Bible says, comes from what? The Holy Spirit. I pray that somebody will start a fresh romance with the Holy Spirit all over again. I pray that somebody will say, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. I pray that somebody will say, what, what will I do without my comforter? And God is always waiting. He says, behold, I stand on the door and knock. If you will open the door, I will come back and sup with you. As you do that, you will testify in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, how the kingdom of God works. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. I'm going to read verses 32 to 34 and this is very good. I'm talking about how now you are going to be able uh, to please God. How anyone can get to please God. And this is directed to those who are not married yet. The Bible calls them the unmarried for now. 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 34. The message Bible says, I want you, the married ones, to live as free of complications as possible. Your life is too complicated. You're allowing liars and fools to draw you into what cannot benefit you. When you are unmarried, this is a counsel, you are free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. That's where it starts. When you're single and you are not pleasing the master, what do you think will happen if you carry that estate into marriage? 
God gave you a pocket of time where he could have you to himself. And that's why you're running around place having 48 girlfriends and 48 boyfriends. And so, no time for the Lord. Who? Verse 33. Marriage involves you in all the knots and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse. God is warning you. The time that you're wasting, you're not going to have that time anymore. The energy you have that you're wasting, watching Netflix and running all over the place, you are not going to have it anymore. Verse 34. Leading, leading to so many more demands on your attention, the time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend, should spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. Only one woman said hallelujah there. And she's already married. You see where the problem is? This is how the kingdom works and we're wakawakaing in the opposite direction. So where will the happily ever after come from? I need to move on. I want to ask you, if the kingdom of God is about pleasing God, should we not now look at, if somebody is not pleasing God, who is the person pleasing? Come on now. If I am not pleasing God, I must be pleasing somebody. Who are the possible people that someone who does not care about pleasing God could be pleasing? Suggestions, please. Uh, uh, self. Oh, self. How many people say self? Put up your hand. Self. Any other class of people? If, you, if someone is not pleasing, who else can the person be pleasing? Self or who? Or them? Other people? Devil? Ah! Other gods? I jump and pass. I thought you had left that one behind. May none of us be pleasing the devil in the name of the Lord Jesus. May none of us even be thinking about any other gods in Jesus' name. Those are not in my notes. So, because me, I don't leave that one behind. But, but, uh, help me look at your neighbor. You see the other side. Help me look at this. You see the other side. No, 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 no. No, Grace Assembly were better than that. We've left that behind. Now, I want to look at two categories. Self-pleasers and people-pleasers. If you're not a God-pleaser, God forbid that even visitors to Grace Assembly, you cannot be pleasing the devil. I forbid it. You cannot. Even if you're doing it before, you lack the power to do it from today in Jesus' name. I pray for someone before who used to smoke, smoke two packets of cigarettes. I said, you, you're smoking. You think you can't. I pray for the person. The only person tried the cigarette thing was like bitter in his brain. He said, what did you do to me? I said, I pray for you. I said, if you're pleasing the devil, you will go there, they will drive you out in Jesus' name. Because I, I'm receiving you for the Lord in Jesus' name. So I want to talk about self-pleasers. Can somebody tell me, who is a self-pleaser? How do you know a self-pleaser? Is it easy to recognize a self-pleaser? Why did you say yes, sir? Minister James? Pride. Okay, what else? What will show you that somebody is not a God pleaser, is a self pleaser? What else? Huh? They are self absorbed, self righteous, huh? 
Selfishness. That's a good one. See, so if you want to be a God pleaser, you cannot be a selfish person. You cannot be self-absorbed if you want to be a living sacrifice because you have to forget about yourself. Conceited, egocentric, thinking only about yourself, about what you want at the expense of you don't care who. It doesn't work like that. If you're going to be a God pleaser, you cannot be a self pleaser. But let's talk about people pleasers. Have you met people who are people pleasers? How do you know them? Every picture they see on social media until they can take that kind of picture and post it so that the so-called friends who are really frenemies can like it. The approval addiction. They're always looking for approval. God says you're okay. Why are you listening to people on social media that don't even know you? They only saw your picture. They, they don't even know what, whether what you wrote there is true or not. They say they don't like you. And now, you don't like yourself. I did a TGF about self-worth and self-love. Your value of who you are cannot be determined by people around you. It is determined by the person that conceptualized you, that created you in his own image and likeness, gave his son to die for you. That's the premium he paid. You see, nobody pays a premium. I cannot sacrifice my son. I have to for anything that is valueless. I don't even know anything except like Abraham for the Lord. I cannot. Even for you, I cannot sacrifice my son. For God to sacrifice the son, madam, you get value. I want you to clap for yourself. Listen, the devil is a liar. If somebody doesn't like you, they have bad taste. Oh, So we're talking about self-pleasers and people-pleasers. If you're a people-pleaser, you're not likely ever to be a God-pleaser. You have to deliver yourself. God's opinion should worry you more than your friend's opinion. A lot of Christians, once you leave church, I can't be proud of you. Because you begin to act out of character and I'm saying, is this the same person that was shouting hallelujah? Because at that point, you are now, you are now steamrolled by the opinions of people that you left outside church. When you join them again, whatever they think, whatever their fashion, whatever their culture is now what drives what you do. It ought not to be so. For you to be a God pleaser, your culture in church and outside the church is constant. Nobody said amen to that. I'll give you a few examples. God picked Saul, the most handsome and the tallest man in Israel, the the son of 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 a very successful rich man, and everything going for him to be the first king of Israel. It was not voting, it was God that picked him. But God said, I regret making Saul the king. Why? Because we found out that Saul was not a God pleaser. He was a people pleaser. Because when it was time to make the sacrifice and Samuel was late, he says, "Ah, I cannot allow these people to leave me. I will just do the sacrifice. And when Samuel said, how could you do that? God is going to do this. No, no, no. I know God is going to do that. But in the meantime, you stay with me. Let the people not think God has departed from me. Everything he talked about was about people's opinion. And God says, I regret that I made Saul king. May God not regret some blessing he has given us. Since I regret. 
He said, go and anoint David for me. A man after God's heart. A God pleaser. Let me tell you, a God pleaser will always take over the, 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 whatever a people's pleaser loses. God is the one that reshuffles the card. You know what? He brings down kings and he enthrones king. I'm telling you. He lifts, he brings one down and braces another one. What Saul lost, David received. Somebody under the sound of my voice. As you start understanding how the kingdom of God works and you're a God pleaser, listen, you're going to inherit some things you did not even work for. Because David was in the wilderness when they called him and they said, well, God wants to give you a kingdom. He didn't fight. He didn't vote. He, 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 he didn't contest. And God just gave him. My prayer is this. We will not be the losers, oh. May we be the gainers in Jesus' name. And there was the most beautiful, powerful angel in heaven called Lucifer. The bright morning star. You know why he fell? He was a self-pleaser. He says, I will be like the most high. I will sit on the sides of the mount. I will get worship like the most high. He didn't say I will dethrone the whole most high. Just by comparing himself to the most high. He says, you are falling. Never be a self-pleaser. Choose to be a God-pleaser. I want to close very quickly. In Galatians 1 and verse 10... I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Listen to this about pleasing God. It says, obviously, Paul said, obviously, I am not trying to win the approval of people, but the approval of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. The moment you are a people pleaser, you cannot be a servant of God. And this is, you're out of the kingdom, so to speak. You may be wearing the uniform, is like a, a soldier that has been driven out of the army and is still wearing uniform. He has no authority. The Passion Translation of the same text says, I am obviously, the first one says obviously, the second one says obviously, which means if you are a God pleaser, it should be obvious. It's not something that people should be asking you, are you a God pleaser? It should be what? I can't hear you. It should be what? Obvious. Paul says in the Passion Translation, I am obviously not trying to flatter you or water down my message to be popular with men, but my supreme passion is to please God. My supreme passion is not food. My supreme passion is not money. My supreme passion is not fashion. It is to please God. For if all I attempt to do is please people, I would not be what? The true servant of the Messiah. May we not be found to be rejected in Jesus' name. And in the contemporary English version, the Bible says, I am not trying to please people. I wish you would say that after me. I am not trying to please people i want to please god and he goes on saying do you think i'm trying to please people if i were doing that i would not be a servant of christ now let me tell you the benefit of those who moved away from being a self-pleaser listen you were born a self-pleaser every child is selfish when they want something come on now 
they will cry until you give them. You were born with that nature. Some people now went to social media and developed people pleaser mentality. Now, you want to please all. You know, what is this thing about friends that you don't know you? You want to please your friends on social media? They don't even know you. And when you can't please them, you get upset. We learn how to please people after we grow up. But to, lo- to, to be a self-pleaser, we were born with that nature. But let me now show you the benefits of being a God-pleaser. The first one is found in Psalm 41 and verse 11. This is really good. When God takes your life, sets it right, and completes it with joy, this is what happens. It says, by this I know that you are well pleased with me. Why? Because my enemy does not triumph over me. By this I know that Jehovah is well pleased with me. Things begin to happen because my enemies does not, cannot, will never triumph over me. Which means God takes over your battles. Can somebody say amen? In Proverbs 16 and verse 7, I read from the NIV Bible, uh, talking about the benefits of being a God pleaser. It says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies, even his enemies to live at peace with him. I read from 1 John 3 and verse 22, the New Living Translation still subject of the benefits of being a God pleaser. Nobody, God did not ask the children to serve him in vain. No, no, no. The children of Jacob will not serve God in vain. 1 John 3.22 says, and we receive from God whatever at all we ask because we obey him and do what? The things that please him. Listen, answer to prayers. There's some level that it is out of mercy that God answers prayer. But there's some level it is because you're pleasing God. Don't stay at the level of mercy. Come higher. It is there. It says whatever. That's why David uh, almost nothing could stand against David. Whatever. Whether you like it or not. We ask because we obey him and we do the things that please him. The reason why people stop at mercy is because they don't want to please God. Mercy comes from God. Pleasing God comes from you. Are you tired of talking about what God is doing? What about what you're going to do in return for what God has done? That's a good place to clap. Glory to God. I want to read one more scripture to you, Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 to 13. And this was the scripture for the week I published on Monday, Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 13, the Message Bible. Listen to this. When we talk about how the kingdom of God works, you want to find out from God how does it work. It says, so now, Israel, so now, Grace Assembly, so now, Christians in Nigeria, what do you think? God expects from you. Shouldn't you know what God expects from you? Why do you think what God, let's ask him what he expects. He says just this. Live in his presence in holy reverence. Follow the road he sets out for you. Love him. Serve God, your God, with everything that you have in you. Obey the commandments and regulations of God that I am commanding you today. And you know the result. And you will live a good life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to read a prayer and I'm out of here. I want to read a prayer. Can you put your hand on your forehead? 
I take that prayer from Hebrews 13. I'm going to read verses 20 to 21. And this is very serious about enjoying, tapping into the workings of the kingdom while pleasing God. And I pray for you and I pray for myself, Grace Assembly. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. If you have been blessed by the workings of the kingdom, can you clap your hands and give God the glory? Hallelujah.